You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident analyst, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dadam. So, this just in from Mr. Ian Rappaport of NFL something or another. Could the Packers add on offense? They maintain interest in Texans wide receiver Will Fuller. And then there's a whole article on it. Granted, this may just be like, okay, I got to promote this stupid article here that has a bunch of potential trades coming up for the trade deadline. What's the biggest teaser I could possibly come up with? How about Packers and Will Fuller? But the fact of the matter remains, it's still there. Now, I don't know how recent. For all we know, the the talks officially dropped off, um, and Ian's just going off of his most recent uh, whatever or other. But let's read what this little bullet point says here about the Green Bay Packers. The Packers may have the second highest scoring offense in the NFL, but they still may add a weapon down the stretch. Sources say Green Bay has maintained interest in Texans wide receiver Will Fuller over the past few days, and that interest goes back as far as the summer. Interesting little tidbit. I remember when we were looking at this a while ago, I don't know if it was trades, I think it was free agency, but one of the thoughts I had since we were, I don't know if it had to do with Christian Kirksey and Petten or whatever, but you always want to know who has familiarity with who. And so I wanted to know, well, who has um, played for Matt LaFleur in the past? I think this was prior to Kirksey because this was like when he first came on board and I didn't know anything about the guy. And I was looking at some of the guys. Oh, it was for the draft. I think I was looking at um, guys in college that possibly had coached because there might have been a little bit of overlap. Bottom line is Will Fuller went to Notre Dame and he was there while Matt LaFleur was there. It was just one year, 2014. Um, Matt LaFleur was the quarterback's coach for Notre Dame back in 2014. Will Fuller was in Notre Dame from 2013 to 2015. So there's not a huge amount of overlap, right? There's, you know, sort of the new guy that's going to be working with the coaches, and then you've got this semi-established wide receiver. You know, how well do they really know each other? However, if you're the quarterback's coach, you're obviously talking about wide receivers and whatnot. Obviously, there's going to be a decent amount of working together um, in some capacity. And so there was no question. I mean, if you're the quarterback coach in Notre Dame, your number one guy, the guy that you have to get the most rapport with, is William Fuller, number one wide receiver, 76 receptions for 1,094 yards, 14.4 yards per reception, and 15 touchdowns. So there's some understanding. They've worked together before. So Matt LaFleur is, you know, the, the Packers are looking to add a little bit on offense, add a little bit at wide receiver. There's familiarity there between the two. There's the fact that there's the speed factor, which is what we want to get out of MVS. Not that you can't get a downfield threat with guys like Devontae or Lazard or whatever. We're seeing that it works. But there's just that extra dynamic that I feel like the Packers have been taking swings at and just have never found that guy who is who has some serious speed that's a good wide receiver, and we know Will Fuller is that guy. I know I, I wasn't going to talk about this anymore, but I'm just saying it just popped up again. As I was, I'm just about to start, I just slammed the last of my coffee, and Ian pops off with that tweet. 
Anyways, let me continue here. It says, expect that, talking about the talks between the Texans and the Packers over Will Fuller, expect that to ramp up as Tuesday nears. It'll likely take a high pick as Houston needs to restock the draft board. Kenny Stills has also drawn some interest, but if the Texans decide Fuller isn't there for the long term, it makes sense to trade him. As for Green Bay, handing Aaron Rodgers another deep threat is downright scary. So I'm still leaning toward it won't happen, but when was the last time, and again, I've told you a million times, we always hear about phone calls taking place. This is clearly more than phone calls. They've been talking to the Texans since summer, not just generally about anybody, about Will Fuller. We would like Will Fuller. Hello, what are your thoughts on Will Fuller? What do you think about Will Fuller? Hey, the season started. You guys aren't doing too good. You're 0-2, right? What do you think about Will Fuller? Then when they fired their head coach slash GM, it's like, all right, look, you guys clearly need to tear this thing down. The season's over. Beating the, the Houston Texans was massive for the Packers because you give them a little bit of life and your talks go bye-bye. The Packers beat them, get back on the phone. And remember, obviously we're not getting them for today, but if we can get a deal, I don't know if he can get on the field for Thursday, but how much does that flip things around considering the Packers need help beating the San Francisco 49ers to have a guy like Wolf Fuller ready to go for Thursday? And really, let's be completely honest, there's almost zero chance of this happening, but they needed to get this done before the game starts. There's no benefit to allowing the Texans and Jaguars to take the field with Will Fuller in tow. You're just offering up another opportunity for Will Fuller to get hurt, which means you're not going to be able to move him anymore. Number one, the Packers aren't going to be able to get him at all. And thirdly, the Texans now have an opportunity, and I would say a very good opportunity, of beating the Jaguars. Why do you want to beat the Jaguars? You don't. That's the answer to the question. I don't see very, I mean, uh, anything can happen, but I think the Texans are going to trounce the Jaguars, especially with Will Fuller. You take Will Fuller away, Texans might still win, but you're certainly crippling this team, especially a team that is built, you know, you've got a head coach that has built a game plan around Will Fuller and the Jaguars. You pull the rug from underneath your team, I'm just saying, it's going to be a little rough. Maybe that's a little too brazen. I don't know, but it just there's no benefit to this for anybody. Get the deal done. Get Will Fuller away from the Jaguars. They had a big long bye week, so Will Fuller's all healthy and raring to go. I mean, again, again, it's not going to happen. But they needed to have gotten this done before he got on a plane and went to Jacksonville. But anyways, we'll see. Again, the, the longer we wait, the less likely it is we're going to have him for the 49ers game. I don't know how much time the guy needs, but at the very least, he's going to have to hop on a plane. As soon as he gets here, he's going to be swabbed, and he's going to have to isolate until the results come back. I know they're rapid tests, but still, it's just, it really, you know, if a deal gets done Tuesday, you know, he gets tested, what, maybe Tuesday, probably Wednesday? I don't see any chance he's playing Thursday. I mean, maybe, but he has no, he hasn't even looked at the playbook. He hasn't had a single meeting with the team. It's just, I don't know. It's unfortunate because it could have happened, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. But anyways, could possibly get Will Fuller beyond that. Again, I'm still less than 50% that they actually pulled the trigger, but it is worthy of noting that this is very, very rare to see them going this hard for a particular player. They're, they're clearly going all in. And again, a lot of a lot of the pessimistic people, no, they're not. They haven't done anything. There's a difference between doing something and trying to do something. And I, I know usually it has the opposite connotation. Well, trying doesn't matter. It's the doing things that matter. I would say it's kind of the opposite in this situation. Just doing things for the sake of doing things is reckless and stupid. You need to want to do the right things. And the problem with free agency, as I've said before, is it's very hard to do the right thing. 
In fact, it's, it's maybe impossible. You have to be willing to stretch a little bit, and I think the Packers are. It's just a question of will they stretch enough? Because they will go into um, ill-advised territory. They won't go into reckless territory. The Texans clearly want them to stretch into reckless territory to be able to get as much of a return as possible. The Packers are not going to do that, so we're basically just waiting on the Texans to break. And the Texans are going to hold out to the last minute, but, you know, that's the thing. The Packers have to maintain the highest offer throughout. If they can do that, if nobody else comes in over the top, um, there's a chance, but I don't know. Anyways, we're not supposed to be talking about that today, but again, that just popped up, so I found that... um, Found it interesting. They are they are trying. There's no question. There's no question about where the Packers see themselves at this particular point in time. They're buyers. Not to say they wouldn't trade anybody away. They they may, um, but they're clearly wanting to. I shouldn't say the term all in, because again, that's that's more reckless than anything. But you get what I'm saying. Um, got several thank yous to go out. Um, as I think about it now, I forgot I had uploaded the Coach Hawn video to Patreon but not anywhere else yet. Um, I'm actually going to do that right now before I forget because I don't want it to go up until after the game day. But if you were one of my patrons, you already saw the video, you're welcome. I'm uh, still in the process of trying to figure out a way to do something cool for the patrons. I did have a thought, but I was curious if people would even be engaged because I know Patreon isn't the greatest place to like hang out, you know? But... Um, I might try somewhat of a test and just see how it goes. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. Could be cool. But anyways, thank you very much to Dan Lawden for jumping in on Patreon. And I'm not entirely sure where I left off, but there was a spate of other happy 900th episode donations on Venmo. So thank you to, uh, let's start with Jeremy Sharp, Brian Pachuchus, Cody Lambert, Peter Thomas, Jeremy Retz. <laughs> yes, I said Pachuchus. I'm not even trying anymore, man. I, I'm pretty sure you've already spelled it out for me. I don't remember. Papa Pachuchus. But any hoozle, um, jumping in on Patreon would be fantastic if you wouldn't mind. I know some people have aversions. There are other ways to support the show. The biggest of which would be to share with your friends and family. Let them know about the podcast. If you have any sort of platform whatsoever, let your audience know. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, I don't care. Uh, to be completely honest, I don't, I don't think what I do translates to TikTok, so I'm not even going to bother. If you've got, actually, you know what, any sort of platform whatsoever, let me know because I want to send you some Packernet stuff, assuming you're going to showcase it on your thing. I think that'd be, I, I just want to see a TikTok with like a Packernet shirt on. Be pretty awesome. Just not a stupid one. If it involves the, the woe dance or whatever, you're not getting anything. That is the dumbest, No, I've never, ever in my life, and I know I sound like an old fogey here, I've never seen anyone try to execute that part of the dance and not look like a complete moron. You have to know you look stupid, right? I mean, at least like the floss thing, it's it's dumb, but it, it's kind of like, you know, it, it's hard to figure out. And I mean, you look like a dork, but, you know, at least it's kind of like this. I don't I don't know. It's 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 kind of like, oh, cool. Yeah. You, no, I don't know how to do it. I'm not going to learn. But it's it's you know, it's one of those uh, twi- brain twister things. Congrats on figuring it out. It's like jumping rope or something like, wow, cool. You, you learned how to do it. Good job. But do you know what I'm talking about? That is the, it just, it doesn't look good. You can't look good doing that. And the fact that it's supposed to like hit, like being real intense, like, and you look like a moron. Like the only people that look at least natural doing it are like 40 year old women. Because it's like, oh, see, that's exactly the demographic that's supposed to be doing this. People who are nowhere near cool trying to be cool. 
That's the only way to do that dance. That's what that dance is designed for. This is the, I have no idea how to be cool or interesting, um, but I'm going to give it my best dance. That's what we should change the name of that dance to. It's funny how we used to make fun of like the Carlton dance. That's actually not that bad compared to a lot of this stuff. That's kind of like, I mean, you got to be semi-coordinated to do the dance. It's it just it just baffles me. And yeah, I see it because I'm, I'm on TikTok kind of a lot. There's some great content on there. There's some funny, funny stuff. But man, the the amount of people that, I don't know if they just don't own a mirror or what it is. They look at themselves doing these things and think, that looked awesome. And then they put it on a platform where anybody in the world can just see them do it. Wow. I mean, people can see you. I don't, I don't know. Maybe they don't know that. I don't know. Might not even be the name of it. I just feel like that's the name of it. Maybe what it is, last sentence and we'll move on. Maybe it's kind of like martial arts that are, uh, I don't want to say fake, but let's talk about something like Aikido. 99% of people that take Aikido classes are going to lose a street fight. Not just because, you know, they in particular aren't good fighters, but you're, you, you're becoming a worse fighter when you're just starting out in Aikido because you're trying to do stuff that's kind of stupid. And I'm, I'm a big fan of Aikido. I think it's awesome. But it's one of those things where you kind of have to unlearn how to fight and learn how to do stupid stuff, and you're just going to get rocked. But I think if you get really advanced in it, you can start messing people up, i.e. Steven Seagal. And you can make fun of me all you want. Go make fun of him to his face. He will destroy you in a second. I promise you. Man's like a ninth degree Aikido black belt. Also expert marksman and swordsman and everything else. Maybe that's kind of like this dance. Only like really, really, really good dancers can make this stupid nonsense look somewhat like, oh yeah, that's the thing. Everybody else, stop it. Right? Like if you're taking Aikido, really be polite to everybody until you become like a ninth degree black belt. Then you can start lipping off at a bar. Just a thought. Anyways... Um, also, very, very excited to announce we did it. Last month was the official, the best month ever for the podcast, barely edging out last uh, January when the Packers were making a Super Bowl run. So pretty excited about that. There were actually a couple days that I, I missed. I noticed there were some days real low, so I must have not done a podcast. So the potential was even higher. Very excited to start this morning, or this morning, this morning, this week, this month, off with a bang. Um, and nothing would do better. I mean, there's, there's no bye weeks. Hopefully tomorrow's victory Monday. Super excited about, uh, about breaking last month's record onward and upward. I would take a break now, but I feel like I just took a break for rambling. So I guess we'll get started. (laughs) Talk about Aikido for 10 minutes and then, uh, take a break. And then we'll start talking about the Packers. Probably not so much. So the official injury report as of right now, again, there's a billion people on this list, most of which are good to go. Uh, the two guys that are out, I already mentioned, Aaron Jones and Kevin King. There are a big pile of questionables. And unlike in the past, clearly LaFleur is much more cautious with injuries. I, I said sort of flippantly not too many weeks ago that questionable usually means they're going to play. With Matt LaFleur this year, questionable means there's a good chance they're not going to play. I would say it's less than 50% these guys play, especially the more important they are, the more likely he is to hold them out. So uh, not feeling super optimistic about David Bakhtiari, but we'll see. He is questionable with a chest injury. He's been li- he has practiced all week, but he's been limited all week. He's never been full participant. Uh, Mason Crosby with his calf back injury, um, he did end up practicing on Friday. 
the Packers did confirm they're not bringing anybody else in, which means either Mason Crosby is going to go or we're going to watch our punter, Mr. J.K. Scott, um, miss a bunch of field goals. <laughs> I think he's like one of four kicking field goals in Alabama or something. I mean, it's just it's not his deal, which I should I should revise that. Um, we just won't be kicking field goals. If, if Mason isn't ready to go, we're going for it on fourth down. Let me put it that way. And hopefully we don't miss extra points. I mean, if that gets ugly, I mean, yikes. The one thing that was proposed, which makes a lot of sense, would be that uh, J.K. Scott is going to be doing the punting and the kickoffs. Mason will be handling the extra points and then possibly field goals. I would assume extra points are much less strenuous or possibly short kickoffs or field goals, I should say. Um, and then maybe some of the, the, the 50 bangers will just be like, yeah, let's just go for it. Which is exciting, especially against a terrible defense. You kind of like your odds, right? Granted, if it's like 4th and 15 from the, you know, 40, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you do in that situation. I guess that's when you give it to uh, Mr. JK and say, eh, do your best. Or you go for it and figure, hey, if they get it, what are they getting it on the 21? Yeah, that would be all right. I don't know. Could make for an interesting game, though. Uh, Tyler Irvin, also questionable. Hopefully we get him back again. Um, that piece, regardless of Tyler Irvin and his upside and athletic ability and whatnot, having that piece has been really beneficial for the Packers. So just having him on the field, running from one side of the field to the other side of the field, seems to give the Packers a massive boost for some reason. I just, I don't know what it is, but hopefully we get him back. Raven Green, been limited all week with an oblique injury. Um, I really like the energy that he brought last week again. They were really picking on him, so he was simultaneously my favorite and least favorite player on defense last week. But again, I, I loved the energy and the, the violence that he brought. He's the kind of guy where... I wouldn't say he's quite Atari Bigby level, but he's just one of those guys where he's he's not doing a great job, but man, I love that guy and I want him on the field. Um, Tyler Lancaster, sort of an um, underappreciated player this year. He's been doing a pretty solid job against the run, and I think the Packers sneakily have been doing a lot better against the run the last couple weeks. Uh, that may change with Dalvin Cook, who strangely is questionable today. I thought he was a full go like two days ago. I'm assuming he's playing, but it's just weird to see him listed as questionable when I'm, I specifically remember two days ago them saying he's he's going to play. But, um, yeah, would be nice to have Tyler going. We'll see what they do with him. John Lovett, the, the tight end slash fullback who's played about two snaps and got hurt doing so, he is also questionable. And then Darnell Savage. Um, I wish I could say that uh, we're a much better team with Darnell, but he has really struggled and has not. I mean, he, he's taken a step back since his rookie year, unfortunately. Um, some guys need time, and obviously for defenses across the board, it's been kind of rough, but it'd be nice to really see him kind of step up a little bit. For the Minnesota Vikings, officially out, Holton Hill and Mike Hughes, both cornerbacks. We talked about this, I think, yesterday, how thin they are. I mean, they, they have... So to recap the cornerback situation with the Vikings, they had three cornerbacks that were early picks that were really bad football players, guys like Xavier Rhodes, guys like Trey Waynes, Guys that Vikings fans very often would try to defend, especially Trey Waynes as being better. And you got to, you don't know what you're talking about. PFF is stupid. You guys are idiots. He's a really good corner. Blah 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 blah. They had three guys. All three got shipped away. They're three starters. They had a bunch of other guys step up. Guys like Mike Hughes. Uh, he's another one. He's really really good. He just he's been injured. Just wait. You will never see a guy. Oh blah 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 blah. He's an early round pick. As though they don't have guys like you know. Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes that are early round picks that are garbage. But anyways, so then they get a, a newer crop that are worse than the guys that were really bad that were starting, that are now starting, and now those guys are all hurt. So the really bad guys, really, really bad backups are hurt, and now we're looking at the really, really, really bad 
guys behind them slash rookies um, <laughs> that are who are not very good. Just brutal, man. Um, again, Dalvin Cook is listed officially as questionable, which is strange. Uh, again, he was full participant on Friday. Um, and also, Dan Chisina? John Cena? I don't know. Doesn't matter. I mean, maybe they need him at this point. Maybe he's going to play cornerback. I'm not sure. But uh, wide receiver, also questionable. Everybody else is seemingly fine. They've got four other guys on the injury list, including Adam Thielen, but um, been full participant all week. Should be good to go. But anyways, why don't we take a break here? Then I want to look at position-by-position matchups in this game, and then we'll call it a day. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children from around the world. I was watching a wrestling thing. I wanted to try a Bruce Buffer. Leave me alone. Iron Jock, they make clothes. And if you ask around, go in the Facebook group, ask, hey, has anybody bought any Iron Jock stuff? Anybody win any Iron Jock stuff? Give me a little heads up. What am I getting myself into? I'm confident you're going to hear some good stuff. Don't just ask me. I mean, I'll tell you. I've been telling you. But I know how people like you think you think like I think. Dude's getting a paycheck to say that. That's not real. I'm not lying to you. I'm telling you. I wouldn't. I, listen. I would take the money and find a way to tell you something about it without personally endorsing it if I didn't like it. Be like, look, here's what they offer. Go check it out yourself. I'm not going to sit here and tell you this is the most comfortable sweatshirt I've ever worn if it wasn't, and it is. I love my Iron Jock hoodie. But if you don't want a hoodie, that's cool. Some of you guys live in, uh, you know, Ecuador or something. I get it. It's hot. All the time, hot. They got polo shirts, vests, workout shirts, shorts, socks, and underwear, I'm trying to skip all the hot things. Pants, also hoodies, jackets, etc. Not only is it super comfortable, but behind the curtain, it is wicking and fast-drying, breathable, anti-static, and odor-eliminating, thanks very much to the Enduratec fabric, which is infused with silver ion, which is released when it gets wet with your sweat and annihilates all the bacteria and all the fungus so that you are stink-free. And for some of you, that is saying something. There's also Enduratec Plus fabric found in their long pants, shorts, hoodies, and running jackets so that the fabric is water repellent. Keeping you dry, or at least dryish. I'm not sure the definition of repellent. Possibly 100% dry. Drier than you would have been otherwise. Let's put it that way. Iron Jock Performance Wear, now available for purchase at ironjock.com. That's ironjock, spelled I-R-O-N-J-O-C.com. For a closer look, look at their unique collection of apparel featuring silver iron technology. Find them on Facebook, follow them on Twitter, at IronJock. Also, let's not do something crazy and forget about my bookie. Because I know you're just about having a good time. We all just want to sit back and watch the Packer game, and that's amazing, and that's what we're going to do. But maybe you're looking for a little bit of extra action. I don't know. Maybe you're looking at this soon-to-be-annihilation of the Minnesota Vikings by the Green Bay Packers and seeing that it's only six-and-a-half-point favorites for the Packers, meaning if they win by a touchdown... And betting on the Packers would have been a good idea. But maybe you're not into that. I don't know. Maybe you'd rather do something like betting on the next head coach to be fired. Will Mike McCarthy be the coach of the Cowboys at the NFL draft? Yes or no. Will Sam Darnold be the starting quarterback of the Jets in 2021? You could also just bet the starting quarterback of the Jets in the 2021 season. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Sam Darnold, Tyrod Taylor, Trey Lance, Matt Ryan, Mitch Trubisky, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Aaron Rodgers. It's on here. You can bet on Aaron Rodgers or any other quarterback. Sam Darnold, by the way, not the favorite to win. My bookie is just a great place to have a little bit of fun if you got a little bit of money left at the end of the month. 
And again, if you sign up today using promo code OVERTIME, they're going to match your first deposit. Meaning whatever you put down, they're going to give you that much more to play with. So sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So the uh, Coach Hahn video is officially up uh, YouTube. It will be premiering live at 7 o'clock, so about the time that this podcast drops, it'll probably be almost time. Or you can check it out on Facebook. It is in, it's right now, the second Facebook page. I'm heading over to share it to the group. And, flipping crazy, I just found out, I can share this on Twitter. You can actually watch the video on Twitter. It's embedded in there. That's amazing. How about that? Facebook watch. Huh. Learn something new. Most days, y'all crack me up, man. I posted on Twitter, chills, in response to the article that they were still going after uh, Will Fuller. Anthony responded, I thought that said chilies. <laughs> okay. All right, let's take a looky-looky. You can hear it now. show just went all downhill once you hit 900, man. That's when things really took a turn. All right, so, again, the biggest thing for the, the Packers offense seems to be rhythm. It's not even necessarily the playmakers. It's just, can we get into a rhythm with the guys that we have? We've seen Adams out. We've seen Lazard out. We've seen Aaron Jones out. We've seen good. We've seen bad. The bad only comes when there's no rhythm, right? And that's true when Adams is around. The games we've lost have been games in which Adams was on the team. So the the, the only real question here is, can this team get into a rhythm? Or better yet, can the Vikings get them out of their rhythm and I just don't see how that happens. Now, I'm always nervous. I'm always nervous Saturday and Sunday looking at this, trying to think, oh, man, what if? You know, because how many times have we had expectations? You go into the game and you think, man, these guys have nothing. They got trash. And then you go three and out. and It's like, oh, no. Right? It's Again, it's still football. It's still can we put something together. These still are football players that know how to play football. But I'm looking at just a dominant offensive line. Uh, Billy Turner is a question mark. Everybody seems to love Billy Turner with the exception of Packer fans and PFF. <laughs> and some Packer fans really like the guy, but 
Um, I know Coach Han, who does the breakdowns, I, I think I just said it. I posted that on uh, YouTube and Facebook if you want to go watch that video. He is a big fan. He, he watched some of the, the play that he had uh, done and was kind of dumbfounded by the conclusions PFF has come to. However, zero question in it, as far as any of the other players. Now, there's some up and down. I mentioned Elton Jenkins um, has done a good job. You know, pass blocking one week, terrible run blocker the next. Great run blocking one week, terrible the next. Generally a great pass blocker, not a very good run blocker. Corey Lindsley's still the number one center in football, which he's never been before. He's always been admirable. He's never been this good. Contract year, he has really stepped it up. Um, Aaron Rodgers, we always know, is good, but being the number two quarterback in football hasn't been that in a while. Devontae Adams always been good, but he's been kind of in the, you know, he's top 10, but is he really top five? I'm not so sure about that. PFF has him number two overall. I don't think too many people would argue with that this year in particular. So some serious weaponry. And again, you've got guys like Jamal Williams. You've got guys like Robert Tanyan. You've got guys like MVS and Shepard, maybe Shepard. Guys that have that ability to have a good game here or there. And again, it's going to be up to the Vikings to take them out of that. And there's just nothing. You know, the, the best way to go about doing this is pl- to play devil's ad- advocate and say, okay, Vikings, here's what they can do. They can do this, that, or the other. This is a, this is a horrific defensive line. Remember, it was, it was decent. Then they got rid of three of the, the, of the three good players, right? Were, or excuse me, they got rid of two. One of them got hurt, and one of them opted out of the season. Why is there four? Because, well, he, he showed up, and then he opted out. He never actually played for the Vikings, talking about Michael Pierce. Then they went out and got Yannick. And I spent a lot of time talking about how Yannick isn't that good. But, I mean, he's fine, but he's not as good as people are making him out to be. He ended up being terrible. Um, now Yannick is gone. They right now have two edge rushers. I'm sure they have more than that, but but according to PFF, their starters are Holmes and Wonham. Who are they? Doesn't matter. Out of 112 edge rushers, Holmes ranks 94th, Wonham ranks 103rd. Along the defensive line, they've got one guy, and it, it, it's he's been their best pass rusher all year, Afedi Odenigbo, but next to him is Jaleel Johnson. Jaleel Johnson is a terrible football player. He's a fourth-round pick. His best year was his rookie year. He's been terrible ever since. He right now is ranked 108th out of 115 defensive linemen. And it's not a matter of he's good in one category and bad in the other. He's not just a run defender that's terrible uh, as a pass rusher or whatever. 48 overall run defense grade, 96th out of 121, 104th out of 105 pass rushing defensive linemen. There is one defensive lineman that they that PFF finds worse than Jaleel Johnson as far as getting after the quarterback. Afedi Odenigbo is the one guy, he actually was doing better than Yannick in terms of getting after the quarterback, but he is still ranked 59th overall. That's out of 112 guys. Now he's listed as an edge rusher, they kick him inside, he's got to do a little bit of everything, but 43rd out of 103 as a run defender, 44, 44th out of 101 as a pass rusher. Now, again, there are 32 teams in the NFL, so if you want me to take you seriously as a legitimate number one starter type in the NFL, you should probably be at least in the top 32, probably ranked fairly high somewhere in that, um, being 44th and 43rd and 59th overall, not super impressed. So the defensive line is pathetic. So again, it's a question of what do we do to stop them? And I'm trying to play devil's advocate, and I'm thinking, okay, the only thing I can think is we have to stop them from running the ball. Because if we try to get too aggressive and get to the quarterback, it's not going to work, and we're just going to get wrecked. Because we leave ourselves exposed when we're trying to get Rodgers, 
as opposed to just saying our number one priority is stopping the run. Because at least if we can stop them from running the ball, which I don't know if we can even do that, but if we get our safeties involved and our linebackers involved and we play intelligent football, we should be able to bottle them up a little bit. Then we force them to be, you know, one-dimensional. We hope that MVS and Aaron Rodgers cannot get into rhythm. They're constantly trying to shoot the ball down the field. That doesn't work. First and 10 becomes second and 10 really quickly. We stop the run. Now it's third and 10. Now we're in good position. Honestly, it's the same strategy we've we've employed since forever that every team wants to employ, and that is stop the run, take away Adams. From the Packers' standpoint, number one, um, hopefully that doesn't work because Adams has never been taken away this entire year. As much as that's the number one priority, it just doesn't seem to work. But still, in order to make sure that this doesn't become the shock of the century, there has to be something else. The passing game to another human being outside of Adams, it could be Jamal Williams, it could be A.J. Dillon, it could be Shepard, Tanyan, MVS, it could be EQ, I don't care who it is. It could be uh, Matt LaFleur for all I care, I don't know. They've got to be able to do that, and if they can just do that one other thing, it's already game over. Whether it's highlighting one guy, which it probably will be, whether it's getting jet sweeps and stuff going, getting the running backs involved in the passing game, if they're able to do those just little things, in other words, don't be so pathetically one-dimensional that it's just Adams in a run game. This game is over. The Vikings 1,000%. And that, even if the Packers are one-dimensional, the, the run game is not working and they can only pass to Adams, there's still a 50-50 chance the defense can't stop it. Because they're that bad and Adams and Rodgers are that good. And the offensive line, for the most part, you know, especially Corey Lindsley and whatnot, are doing such a good job run blocking. There's going to be a couple holes. I'm still expecting A.J. Dillon to... I, I don't think he's going to get very many carries. I'm kind of have given up on that. He had his big opportunity um, last week. He carried for like 1.1 yards per carry. It was about as bad as you could get. Jamal obviously outplayed him. But still, he's the kind of guy where if there happens to be a hole, like in a game against the Vikings with one of the worst run defenses in all of football, he can really do some damage. So I'm, I'm still optimistic, although I don't expect him to get much more than four, five, six carries. Um, if he gets rumbling, he can really do some damage. There might still be, although not a lot of opportunities, some really good runs, and I'm excited about that. But the point is that the deck is so stacked against the Vikings defensively, it's it's really painful. And I have to assume one of the things if I'm the Vikings that I want to do, I'm gonna I'm gonna deliberately pull down a safety, and I'm gonna put him right on Adam, and we're gonna double team him because I I want to leave single high to dare you to take MVS deep because that connection has not been there. And you know Rodgers can't help himself. I'm going to entice you to try to throw that ball because when Rodgers sees single high and MVS is on a flat-footed nobody cornerback, a guy like Harrison Hand, um, who not only is not very good, but he runs a 4-5-2. I mean, in a foot race, he doesn't stand much of a chance against a guy like MVS. Six foot 192 running a 4-5-2 against six foot four MVS running in the 4-3s. You're telling me Aaron Rodgers is going to resist that temptation? Not a chance. But you're setting yourself up if they can hit that that deep ball. If Rodgers can fit it in there and actually throw him a good ball and MVS can actually catch it, it's game over. Again, we just need that one other thing. Because now you got to drop. Not now we called your bluff. It worked. Now we got to pull back, play cover two, whatever. So that's my big takeaway for the, the Packers offense is don't let them make you one-dimensional. Do what you've done all year. Find ways to get other guys involved. Don't just try to sit there and force feed Devontae Adams because as bad as this defense is, if they're able to dictate to you and say, nope, you're not able to run and we're going to double team Adams and all you're going to do is force feed Adams, now we got a chance. We got a chance for picks. We got a chance for, for incompletions. 
get the tight ends, get the other wide receivers, get the running backs, get these guys involved in the passing game. Spread this thing out. Now, on the flip side is when I start to get a little bit nervous, as I've mentioned before. Justin Jefferson is the number one wide receiver in football. Jair Alexander is the number one cornerback in football. On the opposite side of the field, Josh Jackson is the 73rd highest graded cornerback in football. Adam Thielen is the fourth highest graded wide receiver in football. It's a little scary. And I think unless there is some kind of a way to impose their will as far as this defensive front, that's what Coach Hahn's video was about, the Packers defensive front, very important that you watch that video, especially this week. There has to be some level of push up front. That means stopping the running game, but also means finding a little bit of a pass rush, which has been obviously very absent. Now, the Packers tend to do a fairly good job against the Vikings' defensive front for obvious reasons. They're not very good. Ezra Cleveland, Dakota Dozier, these guys are just not very good football players. So getting up in Cousins' grill, but my fear is the passing game is going to work. I don't think we take that away. I don't think Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen walk away with with very few receptions. Maybe Jair Alexander does a much better job this week, but even so, again, if Adam shuts down, if at... Let me try this again. If Alexander shuts down Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, I think, is still going to have an absolute feast. So I don't expect to shut this down. I don't expect the Vikings offense to just completely stagnate and not be able to do anything. I expect this to be a shootout in which the Packers begin to pull away because the defense is able to do some things. And again, similarly, if we can make them somewhat one-dimensional, if we can do a good job imposing our will up front, Kamal Martin, I'm hoping, can have another big day. That's going to be massively impactful. If that was not a fluke and Kamal is actually the real deal as a linebacker, if he can impose his will up front and help to do the right thing so that this group can stop the run and we can force them to sit back in the pocket and throw because they want to run and they're going to try to force running the football. And the problem with trying to do that is that it forces you into third and long situations, which gives us the opportunity to get after the quarterback. The problem is very good wide receivers, very talented quarterback. If the pass rush isn't there, they're just going to keep moving the sticks. And those are the opportunities that we need to capitalize on. So that's going to be the biggest thing. Now, again, I don't want anybody coming into this expecting any kind of a blowout. I'm not saying it's impossible. It's entirely it's entirely possible the Vikings are morally just defeated. But I want you to understand, this in my mind, this is an absolute slugfest. This is a back and forth Viking score, we score, Viking score, we score, Viking score, we score, and it just comes down to the defense coming up and making plays. Right, force them to kick a field goal instead of getting a touchdown. Come up big on a third down stop. Jair smacking it away, you know, uh, an, an errant throw by Cousins because of Gary's pressure, whatever getting that one pick, that one turnover, that one, you know, remember last time we played the Vikings, the Vikings looked like the better team until Jair had that safety, and then everything seemed to turn around, right? The defense has to have that that big moment, because I don't expect the Vikings to just come out and be garbage, because I don't think they are. I mean, the defense is. This is a formidable offense. It just is. There's no getting around that. And so we got to see... Um, What's coming out of the other side of this bye? Obviously, it would be great if they come out flat. They did only score 23 points against the Falcons, which is an embarrassment. But, um, you know, if they come out of the, of the bye week flat, I think the Packers could trounce them. But don't get so in your head about this is going to be an annihilation because when the Vikings go up 10 nothing, I don't want you throwing your TV through the window. Everything is going according to plan. I mean, that's t- technically not the plan at all. We should be scoring. But let's just say they get the ball first drive down the field and score. I don't want to get any text messages or see anything on Twitter about this team's trash. How are you losing to the Vikings? Blah, 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 blah. Dude, Vikings are going to score points. That's the reality. 
little insight. This is a, a really rare stat that I was able to pull up. So so turn up your, your volume and check this one out. So far, the Minnesota Vikings in six games have scored points in every single game. I know, it's crazy. I had to double-check the numbers. But guess what? It gets even crazier than that. Drop my phone. <laughs> Here's something that I found that is amazing. You want to talk about the greatest franchise in history. This team has scored points every single game going all the way back to 2007. Granted, it was against the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> It was 34 to nothing, but only seven times in franchise history have they scored zero points. So I know it's a little crazy, and I know it's frustrating because, you know, if, if you have a good defense, teams shouldn't score any points. It should be zero every time. How do you let a team score points? I, I, I understand the thought process, but just bear with me here. The Vikings will score points. Part of this, by the way, is directed at myself because I go through the same thing every time. When the Vikings drive down the field and score points, it's like, dude, these guys are trash. I'm tired of this. And then I have to remind myself, oh, yeah, that's right. Duh. Green Bay, by the way, uh, 30 times in franchise history have allowed zero points. The most recent against the Buffalo Bills in 2018, 22-0. The time before that was 2010. So it's about a, I would say once every 10 years, but they did it 2001, 2, 7, 9, and 10. So that was... I guess we're due. We're due. I don't know if the Vikings are the team, but somebody this year should pitch a shutout. We should just do it. It's not like we had a good defense in 2018. Anyways, I got to cut it there. Um, I am planning, although I've been planning this for the last three weeks. We'll see if it works. After this Packer game, head over to the Green Bay Packer Nation Facebook page. Planning on doing a live post-game video over there. Should be lots of fun. I think it's going to work this week. We'll see if it works or not. But uh, Brady and I will give our initial thoughts. I really, I mean, I really hope the Packers win just for that. Because there's nothing worse than having to talk about a loss. You know, I mean, I know it's going to happen at some point, but I don't want to talk about a loss, man. I really don't. But anyways, be sure to check that out. Otherwise, you folks have yourselves a fantastic Sunday. I will talk to you hopefully after the game today. Get in there, ask your questions, whatnot. Have a good one. Bye-bye.